Thanks for checking out this message from Spring Mountain. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, swimmountcf.co.uk. Or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow and Furness. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, then please email prayer at springmountcf.co.uk. Thank you. Great. Can I? Uh... Amazing. Good. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I hope we're doing okay. Yeah? Great. And it's the first time I've been speaking in this building, which is exciting. And um, every time I've been kind of popping up and seeing people, I've come and it's in a different part of the construction or something that's going on. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, just um, Donna's done some amazing intros. Um, you kind of you should just do intros for people. That's what you should do. You could get employed for that. Um, I imagine you're super busy doing all sorts of stuff for God. Um, and uh, yeah, so my name's Dan. I was part of this church growing up, and so it's an absolute privilege to always come here and speak. Um, right now, in just a kind of a bit of my life, is living Burnley, which is where I'm originally from, and have done for the past 10 years, was part of helping to lead something in the UK called Pace, which uh, Corey was part of, you know. Um, now, now we left to, to restart Wham, right? Um, and you can laugh at that, it's all right. It's okay to laugh in church. Um, and, uh, and now Marina's um, my beautiful fiance, as I would like to say. Uh, I think she's the most beautiful girl in the world, but I'm biased. So I'll, just, I'll stop now because I'll get told off afterwards. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, she's going to be overseeing the Pace team that's based here in Barrow, so that's amazing. So she'll be popping up and, and seeing you guys at different points. That that's amazing. So I, I just want to I just want to take a moment just to celebrate what God's done in this space because I think it's amazing. You know, when um, you do something like this with a building, uh, similar to what we did uh, in Burnley with our church building, it makes a statement to the town. The town all of a sudden go, "Oh, I thought the church was in decline." I thought the church was dead. I thought the church was irrelevant. I thought the church was so 1900s. And then a statement like this says, no, the church is growing. The church is alive. The church is vibrant. The church is on the move. And um, that's good news because it's true. Uh, just people didn't know it. And so actually what this does, it makes a statement to the town. It's prophetic as well as missional. And it's amazing that you're in this community. Uh, I now have the privilege of being one of the directors of Hope. Uh, long story short, there was a thing in the UK called Hope Await, which I did when I was 16 years old. We did as a church here. We, Hope Await was, an, was three mates got together, a guy called Mike, a guy called Andy, a guy called Roy, and said, how can we do a mission together in the UK? How can we, one guy led a big festival, uh, one guy led a mission movement, the other guy led a youth organization. He said, how can we do more mission in the UK with churches? And how can we get people showing and sharing God's love out there in the community? And that year in 2008, 1,500 different areas, uh, so over uh, six to 10,000 churches, um, not over 10,000, but about that amount of churches got involved in different areas to do mission, to say, how do we bring the message of hope and love and life to our communities? And since then, we've been resourcing the church to do so. Um, and I'd, I, if I'm honest... I don't like it when I hear a preacher um, use their preach to plug their stuff, so I'm just going to do it quickly now. You know, I'm not going to put it in the middle of the preach, okay? Um, and so I, we're really, really excited about what God's going to do in 2020 with the church in the UK, um, and you can be on board with that as church. Any church can be. We work with all the different kinds of church. We draw a lot of agencies and organizations together as well. 
and we are we're really believing that 2020 is a year of reaping. Um, there was a lot of amazing kind of what we would call action stuff, social action stuff, things going on in the past 10 years since Hope 08. Things like street pastors came out of Hope 08. Things like um, a National Day of Invitation, National Day of Prayer, things like that came out of Hope 08. Um, you may have heard of some of those things. And now actually a time to actually put proclamations saying, actually, how do we tell our communities? How do we actually proclaim the name of Jesus? And so that's what we're really, really excited about in 2020 is how can we do that? Um, there's a stat that's out there. We did a piece of research a few years ago which discovered one of the statistics from that was that one in five non-Christian people Non-Christian adults said they wanted to know more about Jesus and wished that a Christian had told them more. One in five. So think of five non-Christian people that you know. Maybe it's the first time in church and you are one of those people. And, and think, actually, one, one in five of them wants to know more about Jesus. They're ready to hear something more about faith. How exciting is that? And we just get to share our story. We get to journey with that person. And, and let's see what can happen. You know, let's see what happens in 2020. Something else we're doing is gathering together a bunch of evangelists, na- about 1,500 evangelists next month in October, yeah, September now, isn't it? Next month in, in Birmingham to say, how can we stir up more people to stir up the church? That's a really, really exciting part of a movement called Vans 2020. You might have seen out there. And uh, so we're really excited about what God's doing, particularly young people. We've been training youth groups across the nation for the past few years. I was doing it as part of Pays in Connection with Hope. Uh, through a resource called Mission Academy Live. We've trained hundreds of young people, uh, thousands of young people, in fact, 3,000 young people in, in how to reach their friends, which is, which is amazing. And, and um, just a couple of things you might want to check out. I'd encourage all of you to grab one of these from the, the stand near the banner at the back at the end. It tells you a bit about vision for 2020. Um, there's a bit of stuff in there about a rhythm of mission for church. Also, we just start, we've been doing these for a couple of years. We just, it's, a, it's a magazine that you can give to your friends. You can get these for 10p each. We do stuff super cheap. Um, there's great interviews with all sorts of people like Naomi Scott, um, all sorts of people just chatting about their faith, why their faith matters, something to give to your friends. I think you've probably used these before. I've seen these up at, up at the other building, actually. And um, so something to check out. And then one other thing, if you think if someone's asking questions to you, maybe about faith, then the, I can sell you these for a pound today. Okay, one pound. Who do you say I am? It's an apologetic, all about Jesus, why he matters, where science fits in, all that kind of thing. Really, really simple. But it's a resource for you to put in the friends in the hands of your friends. That's it. Plug over. Sign up for the prayer letter if you want to hear more. You can come see me at the end. Great. Let's jump into to, to the Bible this morning. Ephesians 2 verse 10 is the verse I'm going to focus on. It's going to be on the screen just a moment. It's up there. Um, have you, but I just want to take you back for a moment. I want you to remember with me. The, the birthday parties you went to as a child, okay? Not as a teenager, but as a child. What were those birthday parties like? When I was growing up, those birthday parties were uh, plastic tablecloths imprinted with all sorts of characters from TV. Uh, that plastic was made out of such a substance that has never been seen or known since um, that you could potentially jump out of a plane and use the parachute. It's that tough. Um, paper plates that had patterns on them and characters, and the end of the party would always be jelly and ice cream. Anyone, anyone else have a jelly and ice cream? Okay, jelly. It's, it's like it's the timeless substance. Well, also, nobody's actually sure what it's made of, uh, but we all eat it. 
And uh, I remember one of my birthday parties, my fifth birthday party, my friend Graham. I remember this really well because I saw it and then my granddad filmed it. So I watched it again. He, he didn't, Graham loved food and we've all got one of his friends. Maybe if I'm your friend, I'm that person now. Um, and Graham didn't eat the jelly, he inhaled it. It went up, you know, in his ears, up his nose, through his mouth. You know, it just went in everywhere. It was gone in a second. It was like a hoover, you know. Um, and maybe at birthday parties, you remember sitting around and watching the person whose party it was open their presents. Yeah, you see those people. And you have that moment when you're a kid. It's like, why, why can't I have that? Why can't I have that thing? The reality is, and maybe this wasn't your experience, but it was mine. There's always someone who's got, there's always a family who had more money. or There's always a family who had more stuff. And then you end up like wanting that stuff or you think, oh, you know, you, or maybe you even ask questions, my parents even love me, I ain't got that much stuff or, or why they've got more stuff and, uh, and maybe uh, when it's your birthday or at Christmas, it, it works differently. But the reality is we quickly in those moments are centered around the stuff, right? We're centered around the stuff and our value begins to become wrapped up in the stuff. Maybe I know how much I'm loved because of how much stuff I've been given or how much stuff I have. But in reality, God says something very different that I want us to unpack this morning from Ephesians 2 verse 10. He says, you are God's masterpiece, that's us, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works planned for you long ago. So our worth can sometimes come from stuff, but it can also sometimes come from what people have spoken over us, what people have spoken into our lives, or what people tell us that we are. Maybe we've been told we're a failure, or a mistake, or an idiot or a deadbeat, or you're kind of done. You, you messed up so much of your life that you're just done. Maybe people have said these things over us, but it's whether we choose to let those things define us because God says something very different about us. He says that we are his masterpiece. And so I think the best way to frame this and to put this is um, instead of me reading a poem that my friend wrote, I thought I'll show you a video um, that we made together. Is that all right? Cool. Okay. Maybe we can knock the lights and fix our eyes on the screen. I think that's a great way to unpack part of this scripture. If we could put the lights back on, that'd be amazing. But that is, that is the truth. That is the truth that the Word of God speaks to is the Bible. It says that we are His masterpiece. And so what does it look like to live that out? What does it look like to be that? Because sometimes in life we feel everything but a masterpiece. You know, I don't know about you, but there's at least one thing I do every day that makes me feel like I am not a masterpiece. You know, I've got distracted again, that, that thing, whatever it might be. But I want to live that life as a masterpiece. But so often in life, maybe we're defined not just by what we've done, but what by the previous generation has done. I don't, know if, I don't know if maybe this is your story, maybe it's someone you know. You know, well, my dad did this, and I did this, and, you know, there's, there's people I've worked with, some teenagers that I work with on a regular basis in our community in Burnley, and they're literally following the pattern of their parents, subconsciously sometimes, but they're living out of the lie of the mistakes of the past and not stepping into who they're fully created to be. You know, I think about two families, two families who... One older couple with two boys and, and one younger couple without any children. Both attending the same church, both part of the same community. And one day, those two couples, the woman from the younger couple and the man from the older couple, kind of began to talk and ended up having an affair together. And, 
and, and those, both those marriages broke down. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of pain within that. And they went off and kind of were still in the area but kind of didn't see those people and, and lived in a space of hurt and guilt and shame. And then they decided to, to get married, not in a church, but just kind of in a place where you can do a reception, just to kind of begin to put the lives back together. And, and then they started going back to church. And they, and they began to refocus their lives on God. Uh, and then they fell pregnant a few years later. And um, just before the baby was going to be born, some people began to speak negative things over the woman's life or things about actually because of what they'd done, how that was going to impact on their child and all sorts of lies, lies that Jesus deals with when, you, when, you open, uh, when Jesus walks on the earth and lies that he has to tackle. And, and these people had spoken that over, but her auntie said this one thing. She said, your baby will be a gift of grace and grace will reunite the family because only grace can reunite the family right now. And then that baby was born and the family came together and that, some people would call that a prophecy, that, that word became true, that that baby would reunite the family. That's my story. I was that baby. And actually, I have a choice not to be defined by what my parents did. And my parents brought me up in a phenomenal way and are absolutely godly men and women right now, but chose to change the way their life was heading. But it was because of grace. It is grace that enables us to live as his masterpiece. It is because of what Jesus did on the cross when he rose from the dead three days later to say, actually, it is finished, it is done. The mistakes can be put behind you and you can step into all that God's created you to be, his masterpiece. Actually, we don't even need to be defined by our mistakes and we definitely don't need to be defined by the previous generation because sometimes that's what holds us back. And so I'm not defined by my family's story I'm defined by the new story that they began to write in God's plan, his masterpiece. And it says that, it says there, if we flip onto the verse, um, that'd be amazing, that we are God's masterpiece, created, created. We'll come on to the new in Christ Jesus bit later, but we are created. That actually, I totally believe, and many people in this space believe that God has created us all for a purpose and a reason. We are not a mistake. We are not just kind of, oh, you just kind of happened. You just kind of came along. And neither we are defined by the success that we do or don't have in society. Because sometimes that's where we lose sight of the fact that we are created, that God's got an image and a picture for us. Things like Britain's Got Talent and X Factor. Nothing wrong with watching them if you want to laugh. But actually what they begin to tell us and what our society begins to speak to us is that actually to be successful, we need to be on something like this. To choose success, to truly be someone, that's the space we have to be in. Or, or, or worse, in my opinion, Love Island, which tells us that relationships should be built on TV and on fake news. That actually, these are the kind of things that are shaping our culture. These are the kind of things that are going on. And we might just think, that's just a TV program. Well, there was a little TV program in the 90s and, and early noughties called Friends. Uh, nobody used to go to coffee shops to hang out before that. Nothing wrong with coffee shops, but if that defines culture, what else is defining culture? We have to be defined by who God's created us to be. It says in Matthew 5, verse 13, that it's, it's going to be up on the screen. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in this earth. 
that actually salt brings out flavor. We are here to bring out something of the nature of God in the world around us. So bring out actually who God's created us to be, but also who God's created other people to be. Those flavors of him, not just the flavors of what society around us tells us. And we can do it because we're his masterpiece. You see, we can't do that if we believe and fully live in the mistakes of the past. But we can do that if we step into who he's fully created us to be. And that's not a, 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 I'm not giving you as a to-do list this morning. It's like, cool, I'll leave those behind me. It's about a choice every day. Say, Jesus, I need you to be who you fully created me to be. Holy Spirit, I need you in me, transforming me, changing me, doing something anew in me so that I can be this masterpiece. See, we have his masterpiece painted by the ultimate painter, created by the ultimate creator, and he invites us to pick up a brush. What does it say later on in that verse, after created anew in Christ Jesus? To do the good works planned for you long ago. Good works. God has been up to good works since the beginning of time, I believe. The first good work he did that we have recorded is that he created the world. He said, let there be light. That is a good work. And we get to be part of that. Genesis 1 verse 2, let there be light. And I think God has been up to good works or on mission, some, some might phrase it as, since the start of time. To bring his light, love and life to every dark space and dark place. And we then get to be part of that. I love what it later says in Matthew 5, part of that uh, scripture that we read earlier about the salt. It later talks about us being light. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on there, sorry, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, check this, by opening up to others, by shining our light, by putting our masterpiece on display, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And at the end, it reminds us how generous God is. Everything that Jesus did on the cross and so much more. His grace is this display of generosity. But I love this bit. It, you will prompt people to open up to God. That actually as we begin to live out the masterpiece that God has created us to live. And actually, this message this morning, isn't, it, it's, it's a message that I'm trying to preach to myself every day. It's not like you land, I'm now a masterpiece, I'm done. I've been a Christian 30 years. I had a little party. Now I'm a masterpiece or something. Actually, it's a process of ongoing that, that actually as we put more and more of ourselves into this masterpiece that God has created us to be, and that begins to display, that begins to shine out, other people are going to go, whoa, what's changed with you? And that's not just going, oh, I made a decision for Jesus, and, you know, and oh, God's just done this thing in my life. It's every day. You know, I want to meet people that I met two years ago, and they think I'm a different person. That's a compliment. Not like completely different, you know, like, you know, like in a kind of an unintegral way or not in line with who God's created me to be, but actually that I am a better human being. That I am more like Jesus. Being a better human being in my mind is the same as being more like Jesus because that's the only way to be a better human is to become more like the one who created us as humans. 
that actually then people begin to ask, whoa, something's changed. And it's not about we necessarily stand on a street corner and open up a Bible and shout about God. Or, but it could actually be the opportunities we have to talk about God, to share, to pray with that person, to journey with people as they go along. I recently, um, I, I was on a train and, 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 um, and, I, and I felt like God was prompting me, um, encouraging me, whatever word you want to use. I felt like I should pray for this person. Um, I was extremely tired. I was, I'd just come back from a long flight and I was just like, oh, I just... No, it's not God. I'm just hallucinating. And I missed the opportunity. And so then the next time that came along, I was like, I'm praying for this person because I ain't doing that again. And, and the opportunity then came along to, not that same person, by the way. I didn't follow them around, <laughs> by the way. I went home and it was a, someone else. Um, but actually, then I had the opportunity to pray with this person who's not a Christian, doesn't know God, but I'd begin to build some relationship with, and I prayed with them, began to journey with them further in their faith and their discovering of God. And so actually, when we, when we open up, when we put this stuff on display, it begins to prompt something in people. People begin to ask questions. People begin to see more of God in us as we show and share his love. Uh, uh, one of my biggest inspirations is, is a girl called Annalisa. Uh, she's one of the biggest inspirations at the minute. And her youth worker told me about her. And, um, and she, um, this is what, just like, just a little description of her life. Um, she, does, she, she goes out on the streets with her, with her youth group and by herself to share about Jesus through doing random acts of kindness, praying for people, that kind of thing, which is really cool. She also invites all her mates, all her mates to church all the time. And then recently, she went round to a friend's ha- a neighbor's house. Sorry, round to a neighbor's house, and the, and the girl who lived there was sick, and so she prayed for this girl to be healed, and then later on, then led that girl to Jesus. Annalise is twelve years old. That's why she inspires me, because I think that's the kind of inhibition that I need to kind of get more of. That courage. That, that willingness to step out, you know, to put this stuff on display and then when the opportunity comes, go for it. And she put something on display, saw God do something and thought, well, let's just go, let's just go the whole 10 yards and nine, whatever the phrase is. Let's do the whole thing, you know. Well, it's not the whole thing, is it? It's, it's the beginning of a journey, but she took more opportunity in that. And we're putting, we can, when we are living out his masterpiece, when we're living out as his masterpiece, we're putting Jesus on display in our everyday and everything that's going on. People begin to ask questions. People want to know more. People see something different in us. And so we are God's masterpiece. It's our opportunity to pick up the paintbrush and paint with him. And the final thing is this. When we live his masterpiece, we stand out. We stand out more. And I don't just mean... We're on display in that moment, but something of us, people begin to ask those questions, people begin to see more. It makes us stand out. I think sometimes in life, and I've heard things of like what I've just said, you know, we're his masterpiece, we're shining for God, but actually we've got to realize that that makes us look different. It makes us look different, and that doesn't always have the um, positive connotations, but it's a choice that we have. Jesus calls us to live a holy life, a life focused on him, a life living with him, a life striving to be more like him. And sometimes that means that our life looks very, very different from other people. 
Sometimes that means our choices, our decisions that we make look different from other people's. You know, holiness just isn't cool, is it? It's not like the latest thing to do, you know. It's not like getting a ring in, you know, I'll stop picking on you now, Corey. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it's not, is it? It's not like, oh, you know, I just thought I'd do this today. That actually has consequences for us in, in our society. It might be that person doesn't want to spend as much time with us because we're not doing the cool thing that they're doing. But in reality, in the rest of the world, there's some very, very different connotations. I was chatting to a lad who's just joined our, just joined our church recently in Burnley. 17 years old, he's from Syria, he's from Damascus, and he's like sharp dressing, you know, he just looks really, he looks a cool guy, he's incredibly smart, he's been learning English all summer, he's about to start a local college, really, really nice guy, you think, this guy's got it all together, and then when I begin to talk to him, I said, when did you get here? He said, I got to London about 11 months ago, and I said, oh, did you, you know, move here with the family? He said, no, I came as, um, I had to come as an asylum seeker, I said, oh, did you come by yourself? And he said, yeah, I came as a 16-year-old. My dad just came. I said, oh, do you mind me asking why, why you had to leave Damascus? And he said, oh, it's because me and my dad are Christians and ISIS for after us. And I'm just like, okay. You've had a very different teenagehood to mine. <laughs> and I just like, you choosing to live that life is very, very dangerous. <laughs> very dangerous. And yet in our society, I'm thinking, oh, the worst thing that can happen is someone unfollows me on Instagram. Or someone doesn't talk to me at the local shop now. You know, not ISIS were after me. But that guy, it just challenged me to think, actually, are there things where I'm saying, oh, I'll just kind of blend in, or I'll just kind of, or I'll just say, well, I'm doing this to kind of reach these people. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this to be around these people, to come trying to help them to connect with Jesus. What our friends need, let's just be real for a moment, what our friends need, what people who need Jesus need, is not another version of someone else that's slightly nicer. They don't need someone who just gossips slightly less or drinks slightly less or, or does this slightly less. They need someone who is living a different life. A holy life, a life that is set apart, a life that is fully focused on Jesus. And the only way that we're able to live it is because of his grace, because of what he did on the cross. Because actually, I'm on about plan Y of my life, maybe the second time round on the alphabet. I don't know about you. But it's only because of God's grace that I'm able to step into that. Because when we live a holy life, we display something greater of his masterpiece. My, uh, the masterpiece that you are created to live is not worth compromising, I don't believe. Because God's created us for it. The masterpiece... That we live helps others discover the painter, helps others discover their masterpiece. If the band could come and help me out, just as we come into land. So let's just put the verse back up as we finish. Ephesians 2 verse 10. You are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus for the good works he's planned to you for you to do long ago. Created anew. That yes, we are created by a creator who loves us, but he helps us be anew. It is because of what Jesus did on the cross. It is because of how he sacrificed his life that we can have and live in the new. That he has created us anew because of what Jesus has done. And if you're here this morning, you think, actually, I've never heard about what Jesus has done for me. I've never, I didn't even know I was a, 
you know, created by someone and I'm not really a Christian, I've just kind of come in here or, or actually, you know, I've been living a different life and I've kind of come back this morning or whatever it might be. That actually this morning, if you want to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you and I'll live my life for you. And I just love it if we could all just bow our heads and close our eyes out of respect for the people around us. It's just me and a couple of the leaders looking around. And this morning, if you want to make a decision, say, Jesus, I'm going to make you number one in my life. I'm going to put you as first. I'm going to turn away from that other stuff, do that 180 turn and live for you. We call that repenting. If you want to do that this morning, I'd just love you to raise your hand where you are. No one's going to point you out. Just so I know who I'm praying for.